Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, it's a tribute to Jim the Anvil Nightheart from Natty Nightheart, Jim's daughter, and her husband, his son-in-law, Tyson Kidd, a.k.a. T.J. Wilson. They're back on the show to talk all about the late, great Anvil. Uh, Jim's last big in-depth interview before his passing was right here on Talk is Jericho. I just put that up again uh, as a, uh, a, re, a rerun, I guess you'd say, a re-airing. Uh, check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the Westwood One app if you haven't heard it yet. Jim talked a lot about his time in wrestling, told some great stories about being a part of the legendary Heart Foundation tag team, and now Natty and TJ are sharing some of their favorite stories about the Anvil, stuff from Natty's childhood and what it was like growing up around the business and with her dad constantly on the road, stories from Jim's last few years he didn't like that Luke Gallows, and what he enjoyed about today's WWE and even shooting the Total Divas TV show. It's a great tribute to the Anvil, and thanks to Natty and TJ for once again having me into their home to remember him. That's coming up right away. Uh, first, also Coming up, it's the Judas Rising Tour closing in to the last few shows. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina tonight at the Underground. It's going to be a huge show. Uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina got moved due to Hurricane Florence, that poopy hurricane. We are now going to be in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee at Capone's. Uh, they were able to get us into the uh, into the venue with only a few days' notice. So if you're in the Tennessee area, Johnson City, Knoxville, Morristown, my old stomping grounds, come hang out with us uh, at Johnson City, Tennessee at Capone's. That's on the 20th. That's on Thursday. Then the 25th is the Blind Tiger in Greensboro, North Carolina. 26th, Mavericks Live on the beach in Jacksonville, Florida. Great beach town there. 27th, House of Blues in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. That's pretty much Orlando. 28th is the Orpheum in Tampa, Florida, and the 29th is the Culture Room in Fort Lauderdale. Come check us out with Adelita's Way, Stone Broken, and The Stir. And then, of course, on no, October 6th, we are playing the Rock Allegiance Show main stage in Camden, New Jersey. Then we're heading over to Australia and New Zealand on the 7th. We're in Auckland at the studio. The 9th, which is my birthday, we're in Max Watts in Melbourne. Sydney on the 10th at the Manning Bar. 13th, Adelaide at the Gov. 14th in Brisbane at the Triffid. And then we're hooking up with Three Days Grace for four dates on their Canadian tour. Moncton on the 21st. Halifax on the 23rd. Quebec City on the 24th. Uh, the 25th is Montreal. And then we continue on throughout Canada as we hit... Uh, where else are we going? We're going everywhere, man. We're going to the uh, St. Saint, the Saint John in Arnprior, Ontario. Actually, the John Street. 
Uh, there you go. Twenty uh, seventh uh, are the London Music Hall in London, Ontario. Twenty eighth is the Rock Pile in Toronto. Thirtieth uh, is at Crocs in Thunder Bay. December first, Burton Cummings Theatre in Winnipeg. That's a hometown show. Uh, the second is the Exchange in Regina. The third, the Starlight Room in Edmonton, Alberta. And then at the Gateway in Calgary on December fourth, it is the official last show of the Judas Rising tour. And then we go back in the studio and start working on some new stuff. So go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and also all uh, Fozzy VIP information. It's one of our legendary meet and greets, one of the best in the business. We do a mini uh, concert for you. We take pictures, we sign stuff, we hang out, we chat with you. It's one of the best experiences you could have at a rock and roll show. FozzyRock.com for all VIP info, all ticket info, and for all info on the late, great Jim, the Anvil Neidhart. Let's talk to Natty and her husband, Tyson Kidd, right here on Talk is Jericho. It's the uh, elegy to the Anvil right now. We just get right into it. There's no introduction here. There's no there's no rules on uh, talk is Jericho, and uh, we're here at, at TJ and Natty's house. And the last time we were here was for uh, Jim, the Anvil Nightheart's possibly his last ever interview or, or one of his last interviews. Yeah, definitely one. Definitely his last like sit down to that length. I know like he had done a couple signings so maybe like a probably like a couple five minute like bill after or something gotcha. but, but in terms of sit down like that yeah definitely the last one yeah and and, and we're here he, he uh, jim passed away a couple weeks ago and uh, i wanted to just have a conversation with you guys and just kind of remember the, the the life and times of a very unique and and quirky guy as a matter of fact when he passed away i text brett and i said hey man sorry to hear the news i said you know anvil was one in a million and brett sent back one in ten million you know, a <laughs> yeah. guy that you don't really uh, come across a guy like that too often. No, he. my dad was really unique. It's funny because, like, I was, you know, telling you about how I was looking back on pictures of my dad. And, like, my dad was just so cool. And I, I said that at the service. And it was so nice to have you at the service. Like, you're kind of an extended part of the Hart family. Yeah, I don't know no, if that's a compliment true. for you. Yeah. Or, <laughs> like, but. <laughs> how could it not be? Um there's a few people. There's a few people that are just quirky and original enough that they could hang with family and not want to. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Just talking with Jim on the podcast, and Jim, we'll discuss. He he had some some. We mentioned he had some Alzheimer's at, at that point in time. Did you, did you notice he was including me with him? Like yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, and yeah. me were there, and yeah. like I think he was kind of confusing that I was actually in the WWF in the '80s with him. Funny enough, uh, and maybe this uh, this story's better a little bit later, but one time I'm here watching Raw, and it was uh, a Luke Gallows match, and Jim's expression just totally changed, and he's like, this guy? Oh, he's horrible. I hate this guy. And, it, <laughs> and, and I thought, so there, there, were, there, were a few year, there were a few years where Luke Gallows was released, and he was like this little like kind of king of the indies type thing. Luke would go get a booking in South Africa and kind of be the booker there. Right. He booked Goldberg over there. Luke was like in charge. Gallows was in yeah, charge. Yeah, he's, he's a hustler, man. Yeah, so I thought, oh, man, damn, Gallows and Jim had a bad Somehow experience. Somehow we thought, And I figured, yeah. like, no way, Gallows would love Jim more than anybody. Of course, and, ultimate uh, brother, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, then a little bit of time goes on as the Matt, he's like, oh, this guy, oh, he's horrible. I hate, I beat the hell out of this guy before in a match. And I was like, there's a chance they wrestled, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so then it turns out, that, then a little bit is going on and he's like, oh, I remember Dynamite ribbing the hell out of him. Then I knew he was confusing gals with somebody else. But the funny thing is, anytime I put on a gallows match, 
same same thing facial change and one time harry was kind of egg egging it on he's like hey jim what do you think about this jabroni he's like oh this guy's a jabroni <laughs> but then but then here's here's the compliment in the whole thing he's watching it and he's like well, he got a lot better since I wrestled him. <laughs> so who did, you th who did you think it was? I feel like he, maybe it was like, I mean, I know he got, I know my dad, I actually told Shane McMahon this story because I thought it was so funny. And I, my dad, Shane goes, do you think he was, he thought that Gallows was Barry Darso? No, he loved. And I Jim thought, well, my dad Barry loved Barry Darso. Yeah. So, Demolition, but, yeah. But it must have been somebody from my dad's past that he just didn't like or that rubbed him the wrong way mm. or, or something. But feel, Like some enhancement guy or like somebody. Buzzsaw. And the best part Buzz is Sawyer. Gallows loves this story. Loves this story. <laughs> and, and my, just trying to think who he kind of resembles. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, there was a guy in Calgary that was like an independent wrestler named Gary Gallant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. But anyway, it was just a funny story because my my dad would get so worked up every time he saw Gallows, and I saw Gallows actually at SummerSlam, and I said to him, "I go, my dad hated you, and <laughs> I he, had no idea who you were." And he goes, "Natty, I love this story." He goes, "I love that your dad hated me," and I go, "But my dad just like he 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 didn't know, you know." I told him the whole thing, and it was just so well, funny. He knew about it. my first day back. I was telling him about it, and as and Kevin Dunn walked by, and Kevin was like, "TJ." that's on you to get some footage which like i was sitting in my hotel in uh i did a seminar in texas and i was like man because jim was here jim was at our house thursday and friday and i was like man when there was some downtime i should have put on a gals match and recorded the reaction <laughs> the classic tj yeah. rip but you were mentioning earlier anatty when you said that that kevin uh <clears throat> when you were putting together the tribute video for anvil that he wanted you to send him the pictures. He was super supportive about like the, the morning of finding out that news. You know, Kevin was awesome about just making sure that they, they just wanted to make sure that video package was perfect. And for me, you know, you know what it's like to get that primetime TV time oh, yeah. on Raw. For me, for the company, for WWE to, to put together such an incredible video package of my dad, it was almost three minutes long. And like, they were pictures that were personally coming from me, not just from their archive. Mm. They were like family photos, baby pictures. Like, I think it just was made it my mom and made my mom, my sisters, and I feel so much better that my dad was going to get the spotlight. And we, it was just that to me, the company just. They just handled everything so perfectly. They well, were just yeah, when it comes so to real life stuff, the company is honestly second to none. But uh, but let me say this though, it's also interesting too because listen, unfortunately, there's a lot of guys that pass away in the business. Jim, you know, you forget until somebody like Anvil passed away. I'm just looking at Instagram right here. I posted this picture that that a dude I know did. Oh, yeah, uh, seventy seventy six thousand likes on Instagram, which, you know, usually I'll get 15 or 20 or 25. Right. I got texts from people all around the world saying, oh, sorry about Anvil. I don't know how close you were. I can't believe Anvil died. For guys like yeah. coming up in the business and my generation, the Heart Foundation was freaking huge. Yeah. And Jim the Anvil Neidhart was a huge personality within right. that. I think we've forgotten now to a little bit, 30 years later, right. but when he passed away, a lot of people were like, holy shit, the Anvil, part of much. And so WWE treated Jim with the reverence and respect he deserved as a star within the company, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, hey, you're, you're absolutely right. And I always believe, you know, everybody always says the Heart Foundation and Bulldogs and this person should be in the Hall of Fame and this, this, that. I just believe in my heart that the company has a strategy for everything. And I believe that like, 
WWE is also not a race. It's, it is not a race. It's not the Hall of Fame doesn't. Yeah, it's like your Hall of Fame coming up in New York isn't the last one. That's ever. right. It's yeah. the, the, the the time will come when it's the right time. And for me, like last year, my dad came to. I brought my. I really felt strongly about bringing my dad to WrestleMania last year, and we weren't going to do it. And then about a week before WrestleMania, I said to my mom, "I'm going to get you guys tickets. You're going to come down. We're going to. Ha- I want Daddy there." And it was a very last minute decision to bring my dad to WrestleMania, and. I'm glad I did because a lot of people got to see him and say hi to him and, you know, take pictures with him. And my dad felt really special and important, but it was also, I could also see that my dad, there were some times that he was struggling a little bit, like at the hall of fame ceremony, he couldn't stay for the whole, you know, he, he couldn't well, stay we for the a super long line at the hotel. I mean, the line we was were boarding incre- the buses and my dad just wasn't, long. you know, he just, he just, it was like overwhelming for him. So, so and like cause having the, the condition he had, would it make him get nervous or he couldn't be around people or was he starting to feel physically sick or what, well, what do you mean? My dad was like, there was moments that he was super clear and then there was just moments that he was kind of quiet and like vacant. Okay. And then there was moments that he was great and nobody would know that there was anything wrong. And then there was moments again that he was like, he would just kind of, Need some space. Mm-hmm. Need to, need to yeah, go home. Yeah, I think being around a lot of people. Yeah, WrestleMania is tough for, and, and for us. You know, yeah. 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 And Never mind. he, you know, he just, we really created like a fortress around my dad, my mom and my sisters, TJ, you know, like I was super protective of my dad and I still am super protective of him. That's why I told you, I was like, my dad's not doing any other interviews. He's only going to do your podcast because I know you'll do him justice. Mm-hmm. I know that you're going to, I know he'll, I know he'll feel comfortable and safe and I feel safe having you do it. Mm-hmm. And that was the last interview my dad ever did. And, um, and it's really, we, we did, we had to do some edits cause he repeated some of his stories and yeah. stuff. But when you listen to that show, it's a great, he did a great no, job. His long-term memory was insane. Like even that last, like uh, Thursday and Friday when he came here with his sister and we were watching uh, old family videos and old family photos and, he would remember, like, Ellie would say, oh, is that this cat? And he's like, no, it's this one. And then his sister was like, yeah, you're right. And his long-term memory was, that's why telling those stories, WrestleMania 2 gotcha. and Andre, and he, he would recite those perfectly every time. He could time. remember all that but sort of stuff. yesterday he might not remember what we did. But also, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, you're, it's just, it's just what, with my dad, this isn't just recently, but my whole entire life, my dad was just such a unique person. With my dad, we always took everything one day at a time because he was so... He kind of was larger than life at times. <laughs> well, he was an ultimate brother. You're talking about a guy from the 80s. And then we mentioned those guys traveling 350 days a year, whatever it was, and, not jo- and that's not a joke. Yeah. You know it because you were a, a little good. What do you remember about that? Like, do you remember him being gone long periods of time and being home only for a couple days? Like, Yeah, I just remember my dad growing up in the 80s in the heyday of the, you know, I'm trying to think of the... Like the WWF kind of yeah, the, first boom. The boom of, of that even just tag team wrestling with the Bulldogs and the Killer Bees and the, you know... The Demolition. Heart, Demolition. And, yeah, so like, great- I just remember my dad got being gone a lot. And I talked with Tamina, Serona Snuka. Tamina Snuka, her dad was Jimmy Snuka. Jimmy Snuka, yeah. And she said that, you know, her dad would be gone like 300 days a year. And my dad and Jimmy Snuka actually traveled together at times. And our dads were gone. Like, <laughs> it must have been a hell of a car to be in. <laughs> Just a couple yeah. of gyms driving around. Well, and my dad loved Jimmy Snuka. He really th- th- thought. Very- you know, it's funny. I never really, I never heard him bash anybody. My dad That's never. a very funny mm. thing about him. Like Besides Luke Gallows. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fake Gallows. Yeah. <laughs> besides, besides Luke Gallows, my dad was really, my dad was just like, he was just really cool. And that's what I, I'm going back to that because I, 
I keep looking at these pictures of my dad and it's like he was dressing like Conor McGregor back in the 80s. He had this like weird shirt and sunglasses and it was like a flowered shirt with these really tight jeans and like they were I'm like, whoa, my dad was like he just was he wore, like, he wore the pink uh, kind of the, Bad News Al used to wear like the kind of the African yeah. cap with no yeah. bill on it. Yeah. I remember I saw that. I was like, I forgot he and wore the pink yeah. leather like African hat. And I don't even think it was a man's hat. I think it was a woman's. He just found, and he just found this hat. I'd like I, to have known the story. Like, did he maybe get Brett one too? And Brett was thinking, no, no way in hell he's wearing it. There's you, you could pull it off. I can't. Yeah. Brett, like Brett just has the best stories about my dad. But my dad was just so cool, and he just growing up like it wasn't unusual for my dad to come to our PTA meetings with a fanny pack on no t-shirt wearing spandex with my dad used to wear these no, le- no knee- shirt no shirt knee sleeves like if knee uh, sleeves my, the whole time ankles. i've known him uh, like like leg warmers the, like yeah, uh, like, like leg warmers. but like that you'd wear underneath your knee pad oh like gotcha but like the neoprenes them. yes gotcha he'd wear them around his ankles so he had like his it was almost like he had a little boot on with his sneaker he would wear air jordans or whatever the coolest tennis shoes were he was a big shoe guy and like Rolex watches, Tumi luggage. So funny, like now you, know, you see cashmere. guys at the gym all the time with like the shorts and the the tight pants. Pant- yeah, underneath. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was Jim's love. Always. always do that. Always. So he he would go to your PT. Do you recall him yes. going and having a conversation with the teacher? Or did he? Did, yes. he, did he ever have to go talk to a teacher because you got in trouble or something? He came and gave a pair. We had a bring your dad to work day. And my dad, <laughs> <laughs> my, I'm not joking. My little sisters can attest to this. My dad um, came on his ninja motorcycle and he, my dad loved these like shirts. Like they, they were, I don't know if you remember them, no fear. Mm-hmm. And some of them had like these really derog, not derogatory, but so, sort of derogatory messages like no fat chicks allowed or like, <laughs> that's right. And yeah. like some of them were just like weird. <laughs> so eighties, right? So, <laughs> so eighties. I don't even know where he got them, but it was just funny because my dad would show up. He'd be wearing the knee pads on his ankles, the, the fancy tennis, <laughs> the fancy like pumps, Reebok pumps or the Jordans or the, he, he just had these cool shoes on. I can't remember what the coolest shoe was yeah, in the eighties, yeah. but something. And, um, came with like no shirt on fanny pack, Ninja motorcycle. And then he, I think my mom made him put a shirt on, but, um, he, he talked to the kids. It was like, Miss Moore was my teacher. <laughs> and he came and talked to the kids about, how it's so important for them to excel in sports and that for him, it wasn't even about academics. <laughs> it was about, and he was just, cause my dad had a full scholarship to any university in the U S that he wanted anyone really, really anywhere in the world for he, football for, um, shot putting, shot putting when my dad was 18 years old, the LA times actually, when my dad passed away, they posted an article and, um, my dad has a whole, I'm so happy we're talking about this. This mm-hmm. is really therapeutic for me. So I appreciate you guys letting me talk about it. Um, my whole life, my dad would talk about this track meet. And it was like, he'd always talk about this guy and this track meet and this guy that he had to beat. And it was like, oh, come on, daddy, please. It's mm-hmm. like, the like, you know, my dad would just talk about this track meet. And it was like, I almost thought my dad was making this up because I was like, come on. Like, my dad's like, if I beat Dubois, I was going to be the best in the world when I was 18. And surely enough, when my dad passed away, LA Times sent me, tweeted me the article. I'll show it to you. Mm. They tweeted me the article and a picture, and they said, this, this meet, my dad did a whole interview with them, and it said this was the meet that if my dad, at this time, my dad was second in the nation for a shot put, and that his, like, if he beat Dubois, or Dubois, Dupree, or okay. the, yeah. this guy, I think it was John Dupree. Pretty sure Dubois. Dubois. Anyway, if he beat Dubois, my, I was like, oh my God, my dad talked to a Dubois my whole life. It like, was real. Like, yeah. And I was like, this is the article. This is the meat. This is what my dad was talking about. I never, wow. like, I was just thinking he was BSing me. Like, I, I, <laughs> Which I just, is so funny because it's not like it's like the Al Bundy Pokai thing. It's not like, uh, 
It's not like then he didn't do anything athletically the rest of his life. Oh, he should have seen this one time 40 years ago. He went on to excel in all types of athletics, but... At this point, the 1973, the, this, at this time, my dad was, um, before the, he had this meet, he was the second best shot putter in the nation. So because of his shot putting, he um, could go to any university in the U.S. that he wanted to, but my dad was a Cali boy, and he just, there. I guess at the time, UCLA was the place to be for track, and that was where Bruce Jenner went mm-hmm. um, for track and field, and my dad would always talk about Bruce Jenner for his decathlon or triathlon he would borrow my dad Decathlon, i think maybe yeah. he'd borrow my bruce jenner would borrow my dad's shot put oh <laughs> and um my dad was just an elite elite athlete but that article was like oh my god my dad wasn't just bsing like not that i think he's a bser but like second best in the nation come on like and um it's cool when you get that like my dad played hockey for 10 years in the nhl and i'll get tweets from people finding articles or a picture of my mom and dad from 1967 in Los Angeles at a hotel near next to the pool. Or it's cool that when you have a dad of a, of a family that has some, some, you know, some history, when you find this stuff, it's so cool. And the uh, power of social media. That's right. Yeah. That's the good side of it. Right. It, yeah. good side. And it's just, yeah, all these people have been sending pictures and like, I just, I just think my dad was just such an elite, unique. He, he was, my dad taught me more than any other person. And I know you're very I think you have a lot of eccentricities, which I think are good. It's good for your kids and for people mm. around the world to go, like even just your last like gear or costume look that you had at, in New Japan was just very unique. Mm. My dad has taught me my whole life to be unique. Mm. He he's just don't don't color inside the lines. Just be different. Be, be stand out. Be every. It's so important to be different. And I I think that sometimes people are afraid to be different. My dad has taught me so much about being different, standing out, you know, just being like Brett was more kind of, you look at the Heart Foundation, Brett was more civilized and normal, not normal, but he was more like of the heartthrob. And my dad was like, just crazy. It was, he was, it was why it was such a great mix. He was like, he looked, he looked insane and he was big and he was barrel chested. And yeah. he, like I said, he had the gut that wasn't a gut. It was just a big man's yep. stomach, power lifter, power lifter. but the, the, the goatee. And we talked about this when he was on the show, like in 1987, nobody had a goatee like that. Nowadays, yeah. every rock and roll band, some, everybody, yeah. but nobody had that. It was the only guy you could say yeah. who has a, who has a flat top haircut and a long goatee wearing pink pink that was it stood out just being different like my dad just like loved being different and we went you know our last family outing was um the smashing pumpkins concert Mm -hmm. and um billy is billy just anybody that knows billy knows he just loves wrestling yes and my dad billy was always so kind to my dad made my dad feel really important and special and my dad i don't i don't know if my dad ever really followed this i mean that's kind of wasn't my dad's generation of music, but because Billy was so nice to him, my dad came to the concert and he was just looking at all these costumes of Billy's. And he's like, that's, he's, he's a badass. And like, he's like, I like that. Like Billy had a skirt on and like paint on his mm-hmm. face. And my dad was like, that's so cool. Like, did you see him playing the guitar? Like mm-hmm. he was just like, I remember that. And I, I said to Billy, I'm like, I'm not sure if my dad's going to be able to make it through the full concert, but Billy, Billy's like, well, just if he doesn't feel good, we'll have him come backstage. My dad was rocking out <laughs> at that concert. And like, I was like, daddy's got more energy than me my his sisters my mom like you know it's it's funny i was telling you after like he and he was like came to life at like 11 o'clock at night and he was like that was great you were on the air like my point is is that my dad was just really different and he had that energy and he just liked people that were different he liked unusual unique people he he just that's who he was mm-hmm. and that's what i i love that message that i just like i love 
like that makes me want to be more like my dad when I think about just him being cool, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. grew up kind of in, in the heart family in the heart house so you probably knew it's not it's not like you came home one day and you're dating natty and you have to meet her, her dad but how was that for you kind of becoming you know anvil became your father-in-law did you know him your whole life and how um, was he to you uh, yes when- so i met him i met him because they lived in florida at the time so they would come to calgary once in a while so i remember meeting him actually um he came into town for a live event in calgary first time i met him and i I don't know, maybe 12 or something. And I just remember, and I was such a small kid anyway. I just remember thinking, how, how huge is this guy? Yeah. This guy's giant. And um, and then all of a sudden you hear him speak. He's very soft-spoken and very like... Very eloquent, though. Yeah. I want to yeah. talk to you about that, Natty, because he, he spoke very intelligently, like, like, which, once again, you wouldn't expect from yeah, such a yeah. big, crazy-looking guy. So yeah. then fast forward, I don't... Uh, for whatever reason, we... We always got along. Um, when he he had a job in just even before Natty and I were together, but in 2000 he was uh, he was actually telling me about Brian Kendrick and Daniel Bryan because hmm. uh, he was in he was in Memphis. Jim had a job as a talent oh like a uh, scout in, okay. in Memphis, and so he's like he came to a stampede show and he's like, oh, you'd be great, and he took a bunch of pictures of me, wrote a bio, which is very funny. Like he wrote it for you, yeah, very funny to think about. <laughs> I took pictures of Ted and I, and he's like, oh, this is perfect. They're looking for young guys. Oh, and you just, so like, I don't, we, and we got along ever since. And we never, ever, ever had any kind of issue ever. I don't even think my dad, like, he never really acknowledged that we were a couple, even to the end. Like, it was like, TJ was like. You do yeah. and he like just like Natty said. And I think if he knew that we were together, he might not like you. What you're married? What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought you guys just split the bills. Yeah. I always just like had that vision of like because my dad would never like. He just because you guys have been been dating since you were teenagers. I think TJ and knows the exact date. Nat, yeah, Natty is 19. I'm 21 at the time. Okay, so it was very early. Yeah. On. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so one day the kid that's always hanging out is yeah. now dating my daughter. Well, it's, it's everything so unorthodox and unconventional about our relationship. We are already living together as friends in the guest house at Stu's. So like, <laughs> and we, so I'm sure everybody already thought we were together, but we right, really right, were. Right, 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 right. So yeah, we were really, well, you were really, um, annoying for a long time, about four <laughs> years. <laughs> It was because you and Ted were really close, Teddy Hart. And so I always thought TJ was, Ted would get on my nerves because he's always trying to act cool. And so you're guilty by association because so like, of Teddy. It was, like, it was just like, but, you but, and Ted were like two peas in a pod. So, and so I just being, didn't being friends, with, <laughs> being, being friends with Ted was funny because it was guilty by association. But then also over time, it was easy to look 
like the easygoing person compared to him. So, yeah, so, yeah. so you have to get yeah. past that first stage. But then after that, it's like, he's pretty good. He's not, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not, it's not quite as bad as him. It's like a chubby guy hanging yeah. out with a, with a chubbier guy. You look thin <laughs> in comparison. But let's talk about the the eloquence. And you mentioned about Kevin Dunn talking about when he saw Jim's like baby pictures, like, oh my gosh, he was so classy as a child. Right. Talk a little bit about his, about his family upbringing. Yeah, no, my dad was just really, he was from a very affluent family and um his his dad was an attorney and his his mm. grandfather was a um a district attorney and his mom was you know just this beautiful almost like i'll have to show you a picture of her but she just looked like a hollywood starlet mm. and his sister was just um God, what is i'm just trying to think debbie is she works she does something with um the courts in, in california but they're like very well educated very classy kids and my grandfather or no, my great grandfather, my dad's grandfather, who my dad idolized, called him Poppy. You always heard my mom and dad talk yeah. about. He owned a hotel called the Lamplighter in uh, Disneyland, mm -hmm. and so my my dad yeah, across the street, right? Right. Wow. Yeah, like yeah. it was like, and back then to think about owning a hotel, oh, sure, Disney was like crazy, and so the, the Lamplighter would host all of these starlets, like. Rita Hayworth and, and Clark Gable would play on the piano there. My dad and mom in their living room have that piano that Rita Hayworth and Clark Gable would play on. Wow. And my dad, like, that piano was so special to my mom. They they, they have it still it's in their house. Through, any, through everything. All through everything, yeah. through every high and low of my mom and dad's life, that piano was, like, front and center because it was, like, Rita Hayworth played on that <laughs> piano. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but it's just such a special, like, my dad just came from a very... That would explain his his he, his speech. Well educated, yeah. you know. Again, went to UCLA, had a full scholarship there. His his mom and dad were very, you know. Came, my dad came from a very wealthy background, and it's funny because that's the opposite of what my mom came from. Because the hearts, it was always sort of feast or famine. If if right, if Stampede, business was good, if yeah. if Stampede Wrestling was, you know, if things were great, they were on top. If they if business wasn't good, they were barely able to eat. Yeah, Brett's wearing, wearing, wearing Wayne's old jeans or exactly. whatever the hell it was. Yeah. yeah. And so my dad was from the opposite of that. So he was kind of spoiled and kind of never wanted for anything. But I think growing up with, for my dad, one of the hardest things in his childhood was when my, when his parents, my grandparents, when they split up, mm. my dad went to live with his dad and my aunt Debbie, who's my dad's only sibling, she went to live with her mom. Oh, so wow it was like in their teens and it was really hard because they were so close, but you know, it was like, I don't know who made the decision, but it was like, okay, Jim's going to live with Hank and Debbie's going to live with Katie. And it was like, I think that was really hard for my dad because his kind of world was being ripped apart. So that was a traumatic thing for my dad and his, his life. And I think I, I sometimes think he never really got over his parents divorce because they were such a close, secure, tight knit little family. So, as we got older, my mom and dad, you know, like through thick and thin, they were always together. They always worked everything out. My mom, I, I said this at the funeral service, my mom, she, from how wild my dad was, she deserved a Nobel Peace Prize. No kidding. So they, they never, they never split up? Never. Wow. Like they, they, they would have, you know, my mom and dad, they had a, I feel like it's safe to say that they had their ups and downs, of course. but they never, you know, they never got a divorce. They, they never had a breakup that lasted longer than 24 hours. Hmm. It just was like... My mom would get mad and my dad would be like, you know, there was, they just, they had His a- anvil was wild. My, my dad yeah. was wild. And <laughs> I mean, they just, just by proxy, yeah, those, of like, course. the majority of those guys in the eighties, yeah, just by their schedule and what they were going through and like all the, I mean, it was the eighties. Yeah. Everybody was, 
wild. doing drugs yeah. and steroids or whatever it was. Yeah. But, but Anvil was one of the guys that was wilder than wild. Yeah. I so mean, your mom to put up with that's that. That's what I say. Like his genetics must be just be so insane. Well, completely right. Right. Like because he he's around from those times and he's like here he is a few weeks ago. He's still strong as hell. Yeah, he's my dad was just I'm like I said I, I know I keep going back to it, but he was just so cool and so different. Like even up until the end, like he loved those Roots of Fight shirts, and he yeah, every time like every single time I would yep. Vander Holyfield and Mike Tyson. Every picture that you post, he's wearing one of well, those. Well, they yeah. the people at Roots of Fight they're they're so sweet. They always send me like they would always send me boxes of mm. stuff for my dad. So I had this little box that was stashed away. I still have it. And so I was like, every time he comes over, he gets like a new shirt. I loved, I loved, cause my dad's like a big kid. He was like a big kid and I, gifts. he loves gifts and loves little presents and stuff. And I, so I always had this little stash of things I'd collect, like from work, I would get like big show shirt or Mark Henry or John Cena. I would have the, all these shirts for him. And I would, I'd be like, Oh, my dad would love that. And like, because I would love to give him little gifts when he came over. So he would just get really excited. He'd almost like rip the bag open with his teeth. <laughs> and so I still have this box. Every time my dad came over, he would like march in the house like Porky Pig, as Brett did call him. <laughs> and and he, had, he still wore his fanny pack. And I'd go, Daddy, I got a present for you. And he's like, present for me? Like, And he'd open up his shirt. He's like, oh, I love this. And sometimes the shirts didn't fit him, but he didn't care. He wore them anyways. He, you know, it's yeah. funny. We talked about the fanny pack on the show. And uh, two years ago when we taped that, now fanny packs are popular again. Yeah. He probably could find a better one now. He said at the time he couldn't find one <laughs> yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Rhonda came to the locker room with an Alexander Wang fanny that, pack. That's the new thing now. I'm like, you got to be freaking yeah. kidding me. Of all the fashion, that's what's coming back a little now. Bit, and maybe in a couple more years, Haze will be right on the, <laughs> right on the cusp. cusp of... Probably never, but uh, maybe. <laughs> did, you yeah. ever, did you ever work with Anvil at all, TJ, when he was doing independence? Or you were doing independence? No, or... uh, I, like Ted did and, and Harry as well, but I never, I never did any kind of... Uh, Natty, Natty team with them a couple times actually. Did I, you? Well, I saw there was one that you, you guys were doing a Heart a, Foundation um, clothesline. We and, did. That was actually. You guys did a tag match in Edmonton. What was that, right? was that finish called? The Heart Foundation. The close, Heart Attack. Heart Attack. Right. We, we did. I'm just trying to. But right before I got signed, we had done like two tag matches together, and um, my dad. I didn't want him wearing his gear because I was like, no, you're too. You're not wearing your old gear. You're not wearing gear from 1980. Like I was very. Like I said, I'm very. I was very protective of my dad. I just wanted him to. I wanted to make sure he was on looking great. So he had this cool, he had these motorcycle boots and these cool like motocross pants that he was wearing. And, and we did the heart attack together. And so my dad's role always for the heart attack was to hold the guy like in a bear hug. And Brett's job was to hit the ropes and clothesline the guy. And so my dad was playing the role of himself and I was being Brett. And so I, and my dad, he just is so funny. Cause like, my dad said the guy dug his heels into my dad's shins and my dad was so mad after that he's like he just dug his heels into my shins and like my dad wanted to kill the guy <laughs> and uh, i was like well don't worry daddy i took care of it with a close eye <laughs> the poor guy i mean you i was, guys had another one too with victor yeah that with rick victor yeah ascension victor? Yeah. yeah and so but my dad and he yeah, did not dig the heels yeah in, no he's a good he, worker yeah. he did not dig the heels in but my dad was just so funny because he didn't like being stiffed but he but from what i understand my dad was the most stiff guy ever hmm. but he didn't like being stiffed so he didn't want anyone stiffing him but he was very stiff with everyone else well here's here's something that's very funny so i never met anvil until he came to wcw him and davy and those guys when they came in there they were like they couldn't believe how dysfunctional WCW was. Like Anvil mentioned, you've never been paid so much money to do nothing. Yeah. 
and they would show up there and just be just hanging around. And because I was traveling with Benoit and Eddie and Dean, we then inherited Davey and and Jim because they're Calgary guys and like right. And I was like, guys, do we really want to go back to six in a van? Because we had started with six, we had paired it <laughs> wow. down to four. That's and, nuts. and Ben was like, no, they're they're you know they're part of the family. Like I get they're part of the family. Do we? But do we really have to do this? Because then now we have to worry who's going to the gym and who wants to do this and who that wants to do that. And so then we we're I was not stuck, but traveling with Davey and, and Anvil. So it was it was like oh, it was it wasn't like they weren't. I don't remember them being hard to travel. There's just two extra guys. And they couldn't believe what was going on. And not small guys. Not small guys. <laughs> and also very outspoken and, you know, drinking yeah. beer in the car, whatever it was they were doing. Yeah. But I had to work with Anvil once. And this is when I was finally getting a push in WCW. And this is when Davey just took off. We went to England and then Jim. Jim was there on his own? Yeah, he's like, we, Davey was supposed to go to TV and do a couple more weeks and then meet us in England. And when he was dropping us off at the airport, he was like, eh. And he just bought a ticket and. Oh, you guys are working for like Dixon or uh, something? No, or? we're just going on like a family vacation. Oh. And then so he... He, uh, he, he just split. Yeah. So he just... And then I remember seeing Jim after and he's like, Dave, you left me you left me alone for the last six weeks. I've been working all these guys. Scott Norton, Chris Jericho. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is when I was getting a push in WCW. I think it was the TV champion at the time. And I was cruiserweight for a long time. Even, even though I weighed 225 pounds, they still <laughs> put me in a cruiserweight thing. So there was a little bit of a, of a stigma. I said this on, on a podcast once, or, or yeah. in my book, and Bischoff got so mad, but there was a real stigma if you were a cruiserweight to work with the heavyweight guys. Booker T never wanted to do it. And Jim, I remember when I had to work with them, they were putting me over, and Jim's like, well, he's a cruiserweight. And um, <laughs> so anyways, we had a match, and I remember it being a really good match. But the finish was the walls of Jericho. When I got, I could not turn him over. <laughs> I don't doubt it. And either he didn't want to be turned over or he didn't understand the concept. And he'd been wrestling for 20 years. Yeah, so I think he just didn't want to get turned over. And I could not turn this <laughs> guy, as you can imagine. He's like a bowling ball, 300 pounds. And I, I remember I tried. I couldn't do it. I tried again. And, and I haven't watched it back, but in my mind, I just I didn't know what to do. It's live TV, yeah. and I couldn't turn them over. Oh I just couldn't God. turn them over. And the best thing of all is there's a WCW trading card that I have to sign all the time. <laughs> and who do I have the legs of? The pink tights with the anvils down the side. I'm like, of course. It looks good there, but I, I couldn't. And I think I eventually turned them over a bit. And I, I don't think he was doing it like, to double cross me. I just think he either got confused or he got uh he got excited or got frustrated <laughs> or whatever it was. We just couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. And that's the one time I worked with Anvil. I still laugh to this day. So funny. If you you know, you couldn't turn this guy over and he wasn't going anywhere. It was just like so ridiculous. <laughs> Live on TV. Live on TV. That was the one time I ever worked with a man, but it was uh it was it was it was like I said, we actually had a really good match, but I just remember that. Finish. I think my dad's sometimes he got really um he got really, if he was very set in his ways, which actually brings me to a funny story, Total Diva spoiler. Um, <laughs> oh, so there's a Total Divas in the can with him on it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Which whole is funny season. because the whole, there's a whole season. Because I saw one cat at the funeral. I'm like, who is that guy? He was the producer from Total Divas. And it's funny because yeah. I actually said to the producers. What's that guy's name? The guy Ru was the Russell. Russell. Russell, yeah. I said to the producers, um, you know, Russell was so wonderful to my mom and dad. Like, while we, you know, while we, like he featured my dad on so many episodes of Total Divas because my they all fell in love with my dad he's because a ham. He, was, he knows what to do and he was just funny and different yeah. like he just stood out and he's my dad was born for reality TV he was just so funny 
And um, so they called, Russell just was calling to say, you know, hey, I'm really sorry about everything. And just, he was crying and um, like beside himself about when he found out about my dad's passing. And um, he, I said to Russell, I go, you know what? You guys were so great to my dad and so kind and so sweet and like just featured him front and center. I said, I would love for my dad to get another little spotlight. If you guys want to come and, you know, if you want to film his service and, you know, he, my dad would love that. He would love all the attention. He would love it. And so they came. That's why, that's why Russell was there. Did they film it? They, they did film some of the service. Oh, wow. And they were very like. That's cool, though. They, you, yeah, see, just, just, he's the one, a, just the one camera kind of out of just the way. A very, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing is you didn't even notice that they were there. No. They were very discreet. And I thought, you know, my dad would like my dad just he would just love to be honored. And and um, so my dad is in all this whole season coming up of Total Divas. And we had this funny. Oh, what was the story I was going to get to? You mentioned he was set in his ways. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, this is why you're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm paying attention. Get me back on track. I'm like babbling on right, right now. You're hard. I got you. You got it. And uh, so my dad, we were doing this hot yoga and my sister and I started doing yoga and we just love doing hot yoga. And so I thought this would be funny. Like my dad should come and do yoga with us. It'd be funny just to see my dad trying to do these poses. And so my dad, we were trying to get him to wear yoga clothes because he, you can't go into a yoga class wearing jeans or, you know, motocross pants or like and so i was trying to give my dad these little shorts but i didn't realize when we gave him the shorts they were like they were neon green and they were kind of like thin and i thought oh when we start the hot yoga class this could be really funny my dad's wearing these skin tight neon green see-through shorts and it's gonna get really hot and we're all gonna get really sweaty in this class right. and um my dad for the life of him just like you said when he wouldn't let you turn him over in the walls of jericho he would not put on the pants hmm. And I go, Daddy, I will give you $10,000 right now if you put the pants on. Of course, I wasn't going to give him that. <laughs> I just was making it up. I go, Daddy, I'll buy you a motorcycle. Put the, put the shorts on. Right. And he goes, my dad's like, no. And I go, Daddy, put the pants on. My dad was like, I'm not doing it. And I was like bribing my dad with large, large amounts of money, a mo new motorcycle. I was like, you can have... You know, you can have our house. Like my dad's yeah. like, no, I don't want to. Like right. he didn't care what I offered. He wasn't putting the shorts on, and he stuck to his guns. And he was like, nope. And <laughs> and to this day, I laugh because I was like, I just thought, how funny would that be if like we got like I got my dad into this yoga class, and he was, you know, well, it's funny when you guys came back here. He was still pretty hot about. He was mad it. about. Still mad. Yeah, yeah. he was mad. Maybe they wanted me to put on these silly shorts <laughs> these bicycle shorts yeah, that were so green and like, very thin he, if he didn't want to do something he didn't want to do it and that's probably what happened with you unfortunately i think he got in his head he's like, i'm not gonna do this move and, <laughs> and i'm not I, I'm like a, you said have the rest of the match and I'm, and a, yeah, I'm a strong dude but i was like i i remember almost thinking like i don't know what to do like i'm just gonna drop the legs and, and maybe hit him with an elbow drop or something i don't know what to do i don't know what to do yeah he's so funny so uh, growing growing up in the in the business when when do you remember going to see your dad wrestle at all and when did you kind of figure out that it was not uh, not completely real my dad didn't really want us around his work too much because my dad was like my grandfather Stu. he was very traditional and and my when my dad was in WWE, for a good portion of it, there was only Sensational Sherry and Wendy Richter right, yeah. and Miss Elizabeth. And, like, there, there was very few women, especially in the 80s. There was just a handful of women. And so my dad, you know, he loved Luna Vachon. That was one of his favorite girls. He just thought she was awesome. And she was, again, unique. Different. Absolutely. I love, I great like, character. great character just stood out. And I, I think my dad found that 
like he liked that about her is that she was so different. He'd always say, like, he'd always tell me that he wished I would have met Luna Vachon, but he didn't want us really around it because he felt like it was very much like there was, it was just kind of a man's world mm -hmm. and he didn't want us seeing the tough and rough side of it. So he was very protective of us girls, his daughters. Like we were just very, very protected. Whereas Brett would have his kids around it more and, but his, you know, his kids, were, you know, his two sons were boys. And I don't know if Brad had his daughters around it much either, but we were protected from it. I didn't see a lot of it. The, I do remember one very special show that we all went to, which was the Canadian Stampede in 1997, I believe. I was there. And you were there too, right? Yep. Yeah. We all came to that show. And it was, that was the last time that my entire family was in the ring together. Owen and Davey and my dad and Brett and, Pillman and like just everyone was together. It was the last time our whole family was in the ring together. And that was so special. I, I just remember like that being such a special, I remember being in that time thinking this is all so cool. Like, mm. and you know, obviously things got crazy after that, but, um, but there was so many hearts in the ring that night. It was like 30. It was like, yeah. And yeah. A couple, it's like the Royal Rumble. A couple of stragglers too. <laughs> Who's yeah, that kid? I don't know. Brett was like, I don't think, I don't think any of us know that, you know, but it, yeah, we. My but dad. But if you watch it back, you'll see like Jim's the one guiding Stu into the ring and stuff, and Helen. Yeah, yeah. But my dad was a real like as you know as burly and rough and tough as he was, he was really a gentleman. He and my mom were married. This year would have been forty years, hmm. and they were you know my dad was extremely like he knew my mom was in charge. He knew my mom was the boss. My mom was you know she was she really wore the pants even though. You know, they had like their ups and downs. He wore, and this. The, he wore the pink spandex is a good, good combination. <laughs> he, he didn't wear the green not my yoga mom, pants. <laughs> and my dad really liked my mom kind of being in charge. Like he, he, my mom, my mom was kind of like Stu. And my mom has a lot of mannerisms like Stu. She's very, she's like very stoic, like my grandfather. And my dad, he just like, there was nobody in the world that he loved more than my mom. Like mm. he, she was just his, you know, she was just his everything. And my mom had his, my mom had my dad's back. Like, like no matter what sort of conflict, like my mom and dad were like something out of Sopranos or Goodfellas, but no matter what kind of conflict they were, you know, having, whether my dad didn't want to wear span tight spandex or whether he didn't, even if my mom said a swear word, my, my dad would be like, Ellie, will you watch your language? <laughs> you know? And like, it was just funny. Cause it's like, it just, my dad was such a bundle of contradictions, but <laughs> So let's talk about about um, about Jim and, and Stu, because uh, I know we we talked before about how Stu brought him in and all this stuff. Was, did you ever was there ever any stories that happened between the two of them? Did they hang out? You know, before Stu passed away. Um, my grandfather was obsessed with my dad. Like I think, as Brett mentioned at the service, my dad was the last person that ever really trained with Stu. Like that was the last student, the actual Stu Hart yeah. trained. Yeah, that was performer. my dad was his last student mm. and. My grandfather was obsessed with my, no matter what my dad did, no matter what mistakes my dad made in his life, it didn't matter to my grandfather. My, my yeah, Stu. Yeah, come walking in the house and it, it was. My dad. That was his guy? Yeah. My grandfather yeah. would look my dad up and down and be like, he didn't care if my dad had just, you know, he didn't care. He just, my dad, he looked at my dad, he looked at his neck, he looked at his arms, yeah. he felt his body up and he was like, <laughs> Jim is a solid you know, he's a solid SOB and like that. He'd always call my dad a big bastard. And yeah. like, you know, he called him, get big, him back on track. Yeah. yeah. And he, but he like, he was obsessed with my dad and it's just so funny. Cause I remember my dad had been let go from WWE. Um, Probably like the third, fourth, maybe fifth time. He's up there with Marty Jannetty, isn't he? That's <laughs> <He had been, laughs> some runs. He had, he had a few different runs, but I remember my mom writing a letter because back then they didn't have 
you know, emails and yeah. they just had phones or snail mail, yeah. like, a, like a letter. My mom wrote a letter to Vince and, and it just kind of, you know, Vince had, a, Vince has and had such a special relationship with everybody in my family. And my mom wrote this letter to Vince and, um, I found the letter. I'm, I'm going to show it to you later. Um, but my mom wrote this letter to Vince saying, you know, just in the future, if he, you know, give my, and Vince did in the future, please give, give Jim another chance or take it into, you know, take it into consideration. You'd like to continue to work for WWE. And Vince knew that my dad just had to kind of get a few things sorted out in his life. And Vince wrote my mom this really beautiful letter back. Mm. And he, he was like, Ellie at this time right now, I think Jim needs to learn a lesson. It was like, it was like, it was like very fatherly. It was a very, Vince though. It was like very, very fatherly. And I actually, I have the letter and one day I will show it to Vince, but, um, it was just, it was reminded me of my grandfather stew and how like forgiving and loving Vince was even towards my dad, even when he was going through his ups and downs, he was like, you know, right now at this time we feel it's best Jim takes, <laughs> takes a breather sort of thing. And like, <laughs> and then he signed it like Vince and he wrote, you know, he took the time to write this letter mm -hmm. and then sign it, send it back to my mom. And it was like their communication, their mutual understanding, like Vince respected my dad, but like, and just like Stu, but he understood that my dad, like, you, you know, at that time, my dad needed to kind of grow. He needed to kind of be, you know, he needed, he needed some distance from mm -hmm. WWE. And, um, but Stu was like that too, very forgiving of my dad and very, you know, he was, he loved my dad and my dad just had this charisma. Sometimes charisma can get you through so oh, much. Absolutely. My dad got out of so many different things in his life because he had so much, he could talk the pants off anyone. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's important, you know, to be able to do that. You have great life skill. Yeah. Especially for a guy like Anvil who <laughs> yeah. was probably in some trouble. Cause I know Stu went to bat for Jim a few times, even yeah. back when the original territory was sold yeah. to Vince. Right. Yeah, like Bruce Pritchard will talk about it on his podcast a lot. Like he'll do a Stu impersonation and it's always, uh, you got any, uh, you got a room for Anvil on the roster. Like, and it's always like, he's like, every time Jim came back, it was Stu making that phone call and yeah. Vince being that he had that he loved Stu and he did love Jim so he was like okay we'll find something mm -hmm. and yeah Vince really but loved yeah. yeah Stu Stu didn't see any bad ever it was yeah. either Jim was doing great or if something had happened it was uh we just got to get him back on track then he'll be great again <laughs> yeah but like you said just looking at his neck yeah that's a, that's a Stu thing Big time. grab your arm and guess how much you weigh wait 225 yeah. <laughs> he was like a carnival barker you could get it right just by Feeling your arm. Right? 100%. He just had this talk with uh, Lesnar not too long ago. But he, with Brock? Yeah, with mm -hmm. he guessed Brock's weight at that Calgary. The one yeah. time, and you were right, you were the one who introduced them. Mm. But, that was uh, probably, gosh. What year did Stu pass away? Was it seven, eight? Uh, it was the day you wrestled Five? Brock. Yeah, so was it was it? probably 2003 or so. Yeah, 2003, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or end of 2002, maybe? Yeah, it was around that uh, time frame. My mom said 2003. That's three on three? Right before I went to Japan, okay. it's the only time I ever worked with Brock. It was Calgary and Edmonton those two shows. How about how about Owen? That Owen and and, and Jim team together as the New Heart Foundation. Yeah, Did they get they, along well as, as well. They yeah, no, my dad and Owen got along great, and I think I think Owen was like Owen was very straight laced, very other than his intense practical jokes, mm -hmm. I think Owen really looked after my dad and and Brett really did too, and that's why I you know not to get back to Brett, but like. Brett said that he owed a lot of success in his career to my dad, but in fairness to Brett, and I know this isn't about Brett, I know this is about my dad, but I believe strongly that my dad was never meant to be a singles guy. He was always meant to be an yeah, tag gonna, team. Yeah, I was going to say that earlier. He was, and, and I just feel like that, and I'm probably the most, just being in the business, understanding 
understanding some things about not that you know i understand tag teams like nobody else but i just feel strongly that my dad was never meant to be a singles guy and that he and brett complimented each other so much but i just know my dad's personality and i know that i feel like brett really kept them on track and brett really gave my dad my dad needed structure Mm -hmm. my mom provided that for my dad she gave my dad structure that he needed and and she provided at home and brett provided it and brett provided that for him at work and brett was like and i guess that's the quality of heart the hearts what what makes hearts so special is that even though they're all a little offbeat, they're all just extremely loyal. They're fiercely loyal. If they stand by you, they'll stand by you through thick and thin. It doesn't matter if you're on top or you're on the bottom. That's just how they roll. Mm. And Brett was fiercely loyal to my dad, protected my dad, kept them on track the way that my mom did at home. And I feel like if it wasn't for Brett, I, I think my dad, I don't know if my dad would have had the success in WWE that he did. And Owen and Brett and Davey, and they all kind of kept as a little unit even when you know bulldogs left wwe and like they all were so close because they started together when you travel the road with someone you know you just build this unbreakable bond that you can't explain it to people only when you travel with them only when people do what we do do they understand that yeah like when when davy passed away jim started wearing this uh one of his knee one of davy's knee pads a bulldog Union Jack knee pad as an elbow pad on all the shows he was doing. <laughs> yeah, they but were you know, really I was going to say that because there's certain guys like I, I you know, if you look at let's say Aerosmith. Okay, everyone knows Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, but there's a, the other guitar player, Brad Whitford. If he wasn't an Aerosmith, probably wouldn't be famous. But in that band, in that chemistry, he's yeah. perfect. I think Anvil was like that, like you mentioned. Something about the chemistry with those two and the Heart Foundation. Right. He was he was perfect for that, and that's why he he's so legendary within the business because that is one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And it's okay that you're not a huge single star. Sure, There's sure. nothing wrong with that because in his in his you know legacy, that was the perfect role for him. And that was what my dad just needed. Brett, he needed you know, and that was that. And thank but at God, the time, Brett needed him too. Exactly, because Brett wasn't going to make that. it oh, to as far as he would have. Yes, yeah, so that's why it's a that's why it's a great pairing. Hold on one sec. Yeah, no, no, exactly. They did need each other. They did, need, and, and, that, and they, I think they both knew that. Even if they didn't, I know Brett has expressed that later. Even if they didn't express it at that time, I think they both knew it. And I think, um, I think too that if you if you're talking about Bret Hart in 1986 or 85, he was not a good promo. No, and, and he wasn't he, particularly charismatic. I mean, he could deliver his lines the yep. way he had to, but it was Anvil was the one, the, ah, the line, the laugh. You know, he made it like he made them crazy. Where yep. Brett was a technician, yep. But Anvil yeah, was once the bell rang. That's Brett's place, yeah. And that's where he goes to work. Yeah, and also I found that Jesse Ventura, he must have loved Anvil as well because he always put Anvil over, yep. which made us believe more in him that as well. Crazy and the powerhouse and, yeah, and that yeah. sort of thing, you know. I agree, and they think uh, exactly. It's like we said earlier, and we said last time, just the combination. They're very different than the rest of the tag teams at that time. Everyone else is the same. Are, or very similar to their partner. Right. The bees are the same. Right. They, they the look same the same. Yes. Yeah. Bulldogs, same Bulldogs look the same. Yeah. But Heart Foundation, for some weird reason, this one team, and uh, there was like some poll, and this might might have been five years ago or longer on some WWE.com poll, but like they won some voting of like best tag team of all time, the Heart Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I strongly, I mean, obviously their work and, and everything they did is why. I, but I, I, I strongly feel that them being so different from the other guy, I think helps. You know, I had to Google that, that they, that they weren't in the WWE hall of fame. I was like, what are you talking about? Of course they're in it. Like I had no idea that they weren't as a tag team. But I think like, once again, like so many people 
texting that you know you talk to once in a while but everyone was talking about the anvil and remembering like that was such a great team and and also too with yeah. jimmy hart i mean it worked and that's one thing like, for vince to put them together or whoever's vision it was right he made all three of those guys top top stars and they wouldn't have been if they were just all on their own i agree they all complimented each other as a unit and like it was kind of like what brett said at the service that he was getting ready to quit really so, i don't remember that yeah really. he, said, he said he was getting ready to quit uh right before and then they went with his idea to he didn't oh, tell him, wanted him to be the cowboy he, he didn't tell him he was getting ready to quit but he was like okay I've, you know i've kind of run my course here mm-hmm. and then the next week is when they said hey we're going with your idea right right so, right, like, right so the, really there would wouldn't be i mean who knows what would have happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did jim still do like signings and stuff like that was he out there rarely rarely, rarely in the last year or two i i didn't really want my dad doing signings not that i didn't want him seeing the fans or i just i really like to protect my dad and like i said i just knew that my dad sometimes being around a lot of people would be overwhelming to him and so that's why i just kept, i was like you know what I want my dad and my mom to have no stress in their life. And I think for my dad, sometimes getting on a plane and like feeling overwhelmed and getting into a surrounding like a hotel. And it just, I think sometimes the last two years of my dad's life, I just felt like it was a little overwhelming for him. So I just like my mom and dad, you know, I just made sure that they were protected. And my dad, I, th- I think he would have loved the interaction with the fans more because he loved feeling important. He loved that spotlight. My dad loved to be in front of, people and entertained but i think also at the same time he felt a little overwhelmed with his condition Mm -hmm. so i very rarely let my dad do signings he maybe did two in a year maybe but anybody that was lucky enough to get him to sign stuff you know obviously now it's gonna be very special that they got him to sign anything because i just i really kept him kind of protected it's funny as you were talking I, i remember actually another anvil story it was the one of my very first days in wrestling camp when Keith showed up, which was probably one of three days that he was there out of the three months. And wow. somehow he was telling a story about, yeah, I just came back from, uh, I was working out with Anvil and some guy was doing 300 pound bench press. And he went, oh, that's really impressive. Why don't you put another 50 pounds on? Ah, put another 100 pounds on. Hey, put another 150 pounds on. Did a 450 pound bench press. Went boom, 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 ka-ching. All right, let's blow this popsicle stand and off they went i guess they're at bj's gym or something yeah. like that it was just like that's how right. my dad rolled oh good we'll put a 50 on put another 100 put 150 on yeah, yeah well, uh, there's one of the guys that that was training in the dungeon before he had a story that uh he ran to the gym at the gym and he said uh anvil asked if he could work in he was doing bench press he said yeah man no problem he's like uh you you want to get in i think he's doing 225 he's like oh no you can go so he goes he maybe puts on another plate 315 he said hey, hey jim you want to work in um, nope, you, you go. And then guy goes and it's starting to get pretty heavy, puts on and maybe puts on a 25, 365. Jim looks, passes on that set. Finally, 405, the guy, the guy said, I can't do 405. Jim's like, okay, I'll, I'll take over now. And <laughs> just banging them out, right? <laughs> like, didn't do any of the warm up sets. My dad, so unconventional, that, just could walk in that cold was my, and just lift anything. That was my dad. Those, that was how my dad worked out. He would walk ask if he could work in. He didn't work in at all. <laughs> He would would work out by doing two sets of something. Right. He would literally walk up to a squat rack, squat 600 pounds, and walk out of the gym. That's it. And then he'd be like, I'm out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but I do remember growing up that my dad, I don't think I've ever told anybody this, including you. (laughs) Mm. I, uh, my dad, when we were growing up, we had a big, huge yard. And my dad, I remember how dedicated my dad was when he was on, this is in the 80s during the heyday of the Heart Foundation. And 
my dad would sprint across the lawn as fast as he could. And I remember like as a kid going, that's crazy that daddy's running so fast. He would, he was like a racehorse running. He would have a start point where the mailbox was and then all the way to the neighbor's like edge of their lawn. But we had a big yard and a big house and like my dad would run fast and hard and he would, that was his training. He would do these like wind sprints. And my dad would always take the shot put that we had in the garage because my dad was a shot putter. And he'd always want my sisters and I to throw the shot put. And he'd always put it in the middle of the lawn, like, let's go. And we were all like, no, we, we didn't think anything. Growing up, we weren't like, wow, daddy was a great track and field athlete. It was always just like, our dad's a WWE. Like, yeah, right, right, right. we always just thought of him like, it was so cool that our dad was, we would take my dad's championship. We didn't even appreciate my dad's track career. We, we always just were like, whatever. Like, cause you know, like I said, it was like WWE was the cool thing and, but my dad, when he had won the tag titles, we had taken, my sisters and I took out his championship out of his bag. And he had one of those silver Halliburtons. They all had them back then, and, yes. And it reeked of, um, <laughs> it reeked of, not of cat pee, but that's, <laughs> it didn't reek, I'm not surprised. If this was Family Feud, I would have guessed cat pee. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't reek of cat pee, but it reeked of, um, icy Brett hot? would always give my dad this icy hot, and uh -huh. so it's reeked of icy hot. All their hot. stuff always smelled like icy hot. I saw, which they would also put on the visine bottles, which I told last time. <laughs> Rib each other by squirting visine laced with Tiger Bomb icy hot into each other's eyes. And that's so, funny. Um, yo, know, that's that's <laughs> yeah, good rib. Gee, real funny, yeah. <laughs> real funny and real fun. I'm blind now. Yeah, yeah. And we, we took. Uh, it's funny. Our cat two paws is in. Just Jericho. go. Oh, he's, oh wow, he's right in my podcast bag. He's right. Pawsy, don't wet in that. <laughs> you, gotta you need to get a two paws cast. Please get this picture. So go ahead, tell the story. Um. I'll let you get the picture. I first. got it done. But my my sister stole when I stole my dad's championship out of his Halliburton, and my dad was getting ready to perform that night at Madison Square Garden with Brett, uh -huh. and we took the title out of the the bag, and we were running around the house, and my dad took off for the airport without the title, <laughs> and then he was going through security. He was like, "Oh my god!" I, like he realized like he didn't have it. So my mom, of course, like my mom. My mom and dad were like, like I said, I, the only way I can describe their relationship was like Goodfellas. My dad was like Ray Liotta. My mom was the wife. <laughs> <laughs> the shit she must have put up with. Oh and my, my mom raced back to our house from the Tampa airport. We lived in Land Lakes. She raced back to our house in Land Lakes in like 20 minutes, probably going at a crazy speed that I can't even describe, and got that championship back to my dad before he took off. Oh, that's great. And uh, it was just like... Because people might not realize when you have a title, you you have the title. You hold on, you hold on to it's it. Your responsibility. It's your responsibility to take it to and from the towns. You got, yeah, you can't. When you're about to go on the road for the next 28 days. That's right. You can't, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so my mom got that back to it. I just remember when we were kids, we just thought it was so cool. Like we just had such a. And then my dad would come home. He'd be gone. On, he'd be gone. And I tried to kind of mention this at the funeral, but I didn't want to get long winded at the funeral. I really didn't want to be Hillbilly Jim. Bless oh his my heart. Gosh. Bless his Great heart. Call. I love Hillbilly Jim, but I didn't want yeah, to get but, too long winded. Dude, yeah, talking about his uh, Hall of Fame speech, which was nine hours. I think he's still doing it, as a yeah, matter of fact. It was long. <laughs> and um, and it was, you know, he, he was speaking from the heart, but it was very long. And yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be like, I just vowed to myself after that night, I was like, I just could never do, be like that. Yeah. And I mentioned that my dad, when he'd come home, one of the things that always stands out to me about my childhood, when my dad would get off the road, we had a routine because he'd be gone for like 28 days at a time. So Gosh. my mom knew that we wouldn't see my dad very much because she kind of almost raised us as like a single mom. And he mom. would be home for like four days or something, like right? Like maybe, my dad would be home maybe three days. Gosh. Maybe, maybe the weekend. 
So my mom knew that those days that my dad came home, we have to really make those days count. And so my mom would let us miss school and Mm. we'd pick my dad up from the airport. My dad would have presents for us because we love presents. I told you about when I would give my dad presents. That was like a learned behavior. And uh, my dad loved presents and uh, he would have all these presents for us. Little things like, you know, when he fly first class they give you the little bag and like the, the little eye thing and the socks and i remember my sisters and i loving those little things <laughs> so great yeah and like we thought we thought it was the greatest thing ever and we were like daddy has this little delta bag for us and like my dad would get us kimonos from japan and you know special little dolls from you know when they stayed at the um kio, kio plaza, kio plaza yeah. and uh and so my dad would always have presents for us that was our first thing we got presents and then we'd go to toys r us and my dad would let us get whatever we wanted and so we'd always get like a barbie or whatever and then we'd go to 7-Eleven because my mom was like stew. She didn't, there was no junk food allowed in our house. Like my mom it was like, we had the worst lunches as kids because it would be like a sloppy ham and cheese sandwich that melted in the Florida sun with an apple stuck on top of the, and my dad was like, Cali, cool. You know, he was like, we're going to go to 7-Eleven. We'd all walk into 7-Eleven. That was our, I think as a kid, that was our favorite thing was 7-Eleven. We go into 7-Eleven. My dad would let us get four things each. We would get a Slurpee. We would get a certain candy. We would get chips and like something else, like a ring pops or whatever. We <laughs> And my dad would, we would all go into checkout. We would all be like, I, you know, that was just our thing. We'd get our little junk food and we would take our time eating the Doritos. We would, everything was savored from those little trips. And my dad would let us stay up until all hours of the night. We could stay up till one or two in the morning if we wanted. My dad would make us margaritas. <laughs> and he would make margaritas for my mom and him. He was a master margarita maker. That was his thing. He, and I th- again, Cali thing. He would make these margaritas and he had a special way of making them. He put, a, he dumped the entire bottle of tequila into the blender and then mixed in the juice. Mm-hmm. And they were like so strong, but that was for him and my mom yeah. to have. And then he'd make us a little sample version of that. Virgin. Semi-virgin. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and I, I know like I can get a little edgy on your show, but that they were, they had a little bit of tequila in them. And what are you like eight years old? And we, but to this day, to this day, the girls, like the twins. And when we're filming total divas, I always love like a margarita because it always reminds me of when, like, because of my dad, I'm very like, I live a pretty clean life because I'm always like, I want to be the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I love tequila to this day because my dad would always let us have a little tiny mm. taste of it. And we go swimming in the pool my dad would play the doors he loved the doors and we would play the door that's why we played riders on the storm at my dad's funeral and so we would listen to the doors we'd go swimming in the pool we would have our margaritas and we would you know eat our chips and our toys and it was like we were just spoiled rotten when my dad was home just for three days Mm -hmm. and then when my dad would leave it was back to business but um that those were great child those we made the times count with my dad we made Mm -hmm. the moments count even if it was just for a few days we just made made it count Mm -hmm. As we wind down here, did you talk to Vince at all after, did he talk to you after Jim passed away? I I did talk to him and he, um, he just was so, so supportive. And so like, he just was, Vince is just, I know Vince has always loved my dad and they've always just like Stu. And I, I, I talk affectionately about my grandfather, Stu, but I kind of feel the same way about Vince. He just has that fatherly, Vince is very fatherly to a lot of us. And I think Vince really cared about my dad and gave my dad so many opportunities and so many, you know, opportunities to shine. And Vince was just so supportive and so understanding. And he just wanted me to be with my, my mom and my sisters and just pretty much was open to whatever I needed. And 
what was so sweet was just being included in SummerSlam because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make the show. And, you know, Vince want, really wanted me there. And I think for as long as I live, I will remember like thinking to myself, you know what? I needed that. Mm-hmm. I actually really needed to go to SummerSlam and get my mind off of things. Yeah, of course. And Vince w- wanted me to have that. He just wanted me to get my mind off things. He, and you, you wore like, Jim's jacket too, didn't you? Yeah, Jim's, and it yeah. was like, I just felt so proud walking out there. And like, I felt like my dad had a lot to do with that. Like, and it was just so nice because I got to honor my dad. I got my mind off of things. I almost wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to go to SummerSlam because I was like, gosh, this is just so soon. I just don't know if I can do it. And then after the funeral, once we were done with the funeral, I was like, you know what? I kind of have to start getting back to being natty. I have to start getting back to living and like SummerSlam was only six days after my dad died. But I also just wanted to get back to being me because Mm -hmm. I felt like I was in such a fog from Monday, the day that my dad passed away to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was the funeral. I just felt like I was in this blur and for Vince to want me to be at SummerSlam and obviously, you know, sharing that special moment with Rhonda, it was just, and I told Vince that I said, it was just really what I needed. It was what I needed to get my mind off of everything. And it was just like, I just wanted to, I was scared to go because I was like, I don't know if I would be emotionally stable just because I am so close to my dad. And I didn't want to be crying in front of everyone and having people see me cry and just not knowing if somebody brought up my dad, or would I start crying? And and I was there was moments where I did kind of break down a little bit, but there was moments that I was totally fine. I just wanted to go out there. And when everybody saw my dad's jacket, the entire world got it. Everybody understood. Yeah, it's, 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 like I said, and the, in, in the, the you know the, the trials and tribulations of the Hearts and the McMahons go back you know forty fifty years, but Vince still respects your family, and so does the the you know the WWE universe. I can't believe I'm using Vince's vernacular. <laughs> so do the wrestling fans. <gasps> Sorry, uh, they appreciate the lineage, and, yeah. and for you, you know, you would come out before to Brett's music, but coming out with Anvil's jacket. I mean, yeah. that's that's who you are, and every, and people know it. And yeah. that's why, like, I was really happy to see because, like I said, we've seen so many guys pass away, and sometimes you get a graphic or whatever. But Jim got like that piece. Yeah, he had a like a full seg. Like, that a seg like you said, three was, minutes on prime time. That TV. is prime real estate. I mean, I've had a hundred matches shorter than that. Yeah. on Raw. <laughs> yeah. so have I. You know, yeah, that get cut shorter than that. Right. So, so, and obviously, it all goes through Vince for Vince to approve that and say because he, Vince could also say it's too long. But to give three minutes to the anvil, that's that says only, a lot. Not and only, even like the 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 end of the seg before that was hey up next. Tribute and there was to a Jim that's cool. came back, and play that video, then go to the the on camera. Now I know all the even okay, yeah, that's your thing. Graves yeah. and uh, Michael Cole and Renee kind of talking about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it, it, took, it just kept like it's a big deal. Yeah, and even Rhonda opening up Raw with that's right. You know, she mentioned him too. Like just talking about my dad and like I just think my dad would have been so happy and like I I told Vince I was like, and I just feel so strongly in my heart like Vince. You know, obviously we all work hard in WWE, but without the platform of like my dad and I got this special connection because of his career in WWE and because of what I did in WWE. We had, we got this special bond that like, is just so incredibly rare. Only a few people can say that they share that like Randy Orton and like Charlotte Flair and like Tamina Snuka. And like, there's yeah. just, you know, I was talking to Roman Reigns about it. Another I, one, yeah. um, I was just saying, he was talking, he was saying the same thing about his brother who passed away. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying, like, we just got this special little connection because of that. Mm-hmm. And, if, and I and I had 
thank Vince. I said, thank you for giving my dad those opportunities because of those opportunities. My dad and I got to like have this special connection as WWE superstars. And we just, we had this little wrestling connection. That was what was like my, and I, and I feel bad because my sisters were very close to my dad too, but it's different though. Yeah. It was just a little yeah. different because you know, when, when my dad had his ups and downs, my sisters sometimes weren't as forgiving of my dad. And you know, my dad, I just, as I learned, like he, he was imperfect, but that was what kind of made him special. And I understood all those things. I was very, I was willing to overlook a lot of things with my dad, a lot of his imperfections because we just had this very special little bond in wrestling. And that I owe a lot, I owe that to Vince because of without his company, my dad wouldn't have had that platform to be so unique. And mm. Vince, Vince just through thick and thin, Vince has just been awesome to my family. And when you go through hard times, you realize like, wow, like WWE, they're just like, the company is very classy, especially very when classy, you, yeah. very I thought it was classy. cool that Stephanie was there. Um, last couple of things. There's a, there's a picture online. It's actually pretty sad of, of the five guys at Calgary Stampede. Uh, was it called? Was the paper called? Yeah. Canadian, Canadian, Canadian Stampede. Stampede. It's Fart Foundation. And it, you know, Pillman, Owen, uh, Brett's in the middle, uh, Davey and Jim, and somebody made it to where Brett is in color. And the rest are in black and white. Brett's the sole survivor of that right. team. I feel sorry for Brett, man. I, I sorry, man. I feel I feel for him because that's you know he's lost so many guys. And you look at that picture; it was only twenty years ago, and everybody's gone. I just you know I just I, I don't know. I just feel I feel for, yeah. for Brett. And and you know as hard as it is for you, obviously that's your father. You know, but and your father-in-law, but that's Brett's. Like those are his brother-in-laws, and you know, Pillman might as well best have been. friends. I, best friends, yeah. Road. I actually think like throw Kurt Henning in there with yeah, Brett. Brian Adams, Rick Rude, yeah. you know, all my, of his bros, right? My dad, yeah. My, I felt I felt like in talking to Brett, and Brett was a very important part of the funeral, actually. And Brett almost, I almost didn't know if he was going to be able to make it because it was such a far distance for him to travel, and. I said to Brett, I said, I understand if you can't make it, but I really would love to have you there. And I actually think Brett is taking my dad's passing really hard. Yeah. I think he, it was the first time in my life that I've ever seen Brett cry. We went out for dinner and um, we went out for dinner, myself, Brett and his wife, Stephanie. We just had this private little dinner. We just wanted to catch up and I just needed to clear my head. And Brett was crying. He, he it was only for 20 seconds, maybe. He started crying. He was telling a story about my dad and then he just stopped and he started crying and he couldn't ca catch his breath. Like he was like, he couldn't speak, speak. Mm. Yeah. He could breathe, but he couldn't like, yeah. he couldn't get the words out. And, um, it was like, I'd never seen Brett cry like that before. I just, I don't remember. I can't remember. Him. I just don't remember him. I never remember him crying like that. And I felt like so bad at the table. Cause I was like, gosh, like I can't believe how hard Brett's taking my dad's death. And I think, I think he's almost taking it harder than anyone. And for me, I almost feel like it's not, it's been nine days since my dad died and I almost feel like it's not real. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like I'm going to go to my mom and dad's house and I'm going to see my dad. Like, I don't think it's totally set in, but, but you know, everybody handles things differently, but I think Brett's taking it 
really yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Um, last question: What's your favorite Anvil memory, match wise? Like I'm talking about Jim the Anvil, the character. And first of all, I've been meaning to say this: I love, love, love the fact that the funeral. I was showing Jessica this. You get the little card for the funeral. You know, that's yep. the little, the little. I don't know, the little pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> On the front, it's a picture, and it just says the Anvil. Yeah. Then you open it up. It says James Henry Neidhart. <laughs> it's like the, he usually wanted that. I love it. My, like how wrestling yeah. is that? Like. The yeah. anvil. He was the oh, anvil James, first. James well, that's, Hunter, yeah. that's what my dad's urn had on it too. Oh, my sisters great. and I, we wanted it like my dad. That's what I, you know, I keep digressing. I'm like all over the place, but <laughs> I'm like heart, total heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my dad loved being an entertainer. He was like, he could never work in an office. He could never, he was born to entertain. And that's what total divas did was like when my dad couldn't wrestle, it yeah, let him yeah, like sure. entertain. And so my sisters and I, my sisters are like, I don't know where the hell they came from. They're both like Martha Stewart's daughters. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Muffy is like a teacher graduated with honors, like the most prim and proper person you'll ever meet. Jenny is the same way. She's like literally Kate Middleton's sister. Like she, they're both like I, all three of you are so pretty too, with the anvil as your father. Like <laughs> well, you guys beat the odds. My dad was, my dad was really, my dad before he became the anvil was really handsome. Yeah. And, uh, but we had Jenny, Muffy, and I, we wanted to, we're all one year apart. And we all, we were like, daddy has to be, we call my dad daddy. Yeah. We never, and people would even say on Total Divas, they're like, you never, you call your dad daddy? And we, I never made the transition. Yeah, from he like, stayed daddy as a little girl. Like, yeah. as a little girl, what day do you go, we're going to start calling you dad. Yeah. Like, we never did, it was just always daddy. Even when we were mad at my dad, we were like, daddy, like, <laughs> and it was only daddy. It was just daddy and mommy. That's it. That's all they will ever be to me. Mm. And um, we were like, daddy needs to have Amble on his urn. God, and they so even great. found a little, like, decal that they made a little Amble and graved <laughs> it. And, I, and Jenny and Muffy and I were like, we want to make sure that daddy that's the picture he loved that embodied him. That was like though that look, that little look. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted that. And then of course, like on the back, I had my mom and my dad, but we just wanted that. So that was great. It was great. Um, but your favorite so anvil? Favorite, uh, I'll let TJ answer this. Cause he's more of the wrestling. I, I would have to say Canadian stampede, but the moment is like, they all come, they all kind of have these short little, um, separate entrances. So like first Pillman comes out, then, then Jim comes out and they all come out to like, uh, and it's very funny, but each reaction is a little bit bigger. But they all come out to these pretty giant reactions as like almost as singles guys. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's a yeah, five yeah, on yeah, five yeah. match, but they have these short little entrances, and you get kind of a little beat out there. And they all, yeah. And then, and then the cool moment where like Brett comes out and like high fives everybody, and they come walking down. So even before the match, like right. the, the stage is set. It was going to be the most amazing thing you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, for me, it's it's not just a, like I wouldn't say like. Harford Nation had a lot of great matches, like Bulldogs and yeah. Demolition and all that stuff. But for me, it's just the whole time of that, of that WWE Saturday, WWF Saturday Night's main event, and Heart Foundation was always included. And I always go back to, and I'm, I'm not getting this wrong, but it's the Heart Foundation holding Macho Man as Honky Tonk it's breaks the guitar, guitar over his head. Yeah, I just remember like just the combination of those guys and i believe like if anvil is holding you yeah you're not getting you're away. not getting out like <laughs> right. you know because I, I, I knew i mean i, I didn't know wrestling wasn't sure. real but i just knew like that guy's like if he's holding you're not escaping and just the whole concept of the heart foundation is these amazing 
heels that turned babyface and the colors and the to me that that was part of my love affair of how I got into wrestling because oh, I sure. enjoyed AWA but WWF and the Hart Foundation were top three for me. Yeah, the it was colors, Hogan, yeah, Steamboat, characters. and the Hart Foundation. You know, and yeah. you have that you know Calgary style, and you're like I said, you're kind of have a lot of Calgary, like you you have a lot of the qualities that those guys from Calgary came from, uh, came or had like Dynamite, and if you think of Davey, and you think of all the people that. You know, Brett and Owen and my dad, like, oh, there was a unique, even Hiro Hase was in mm -hmm. Calgary, you know, like, they so had many this, guys, yeah. like, unique hybrid style is what I'm trying to say. But you also understood, like, my dad, the showmanship, the character, yeah, absolutely. And so my dad always appreciated that in people because you had beautiful costumes and flamboyant colors and you had a unique hairdo. And my, my dad, my dad, I think that's what he really brought to the Heart Foundation was that unique little entertainment edge. I think it's why Vince liked my dad so much mm -hmm. because Brett tells the story of, you know, because Vince, Vince loves a good athlete, but Vince also likes the entertainment. The character, man. The character, yeah. the, the personality. Yeah, and, and so Brett tells the story of when Vince first met my dad, Davey Dynamite, and himself. And of course, as we know, Brett would be, go on to become, you know, the most successful of them. Um, but Vince was just drawn to my dad. He, my dad was the first one that he introduced himself to, and he saw like my like Vince reminds me a lot of my grandfather. He saw my dad. He saw his neck. He saw his arms. It was like, <laughs> and my dad had this look, and my dad had this natural charisma, and Vince was just drawn to my dad. And I think Brett, I remember Brett saying like, you know, he was just so like in tune with my dad. That was the star. That was the mm -hmm. one that he was going to push. And like, you know, my dad just had that little he was an athlete. He was, you know, played for the Dallas Cowboys, played for the Oakland Raiders, was trained by Tom or coached by Tom Landry, a very famous football coach. And I don't know shit about football. Yeah, I know that name though. Um, but you know, his shot putting this, that, and Vince just zeroed in on that. But Vince knew that my dad was an entertainer. And so I love that because my dad. You know, it's interesting because when the, the radicals first came in and it was Benoit, Eddie, Dean, and Perry. And of course, at the time, it was all about Benoit. And actually, Perry was up there too. But Vince, I remember saying, Brian Gewertz told me, Eddie's the one that Vince, really? Eddie? Eddie's the one. Because this is before Latino Heat. Right. Vince picked him up before that? Right off the bat, right. he said, right. he said after one appearance, Vince is Eddie's the one that Vince wow. is, uh, thinks has it. I'm, more than Perry and more than like the blank. Eddie. Because this is, like I said, there was no character of yeah, Eddie I, at the time. Yeah. But like you said, same with Anvil. Vince just could sense an he entertainer could, yeah. and... So I just what, lo I love what's, that. What's your, uh, the, the, rather than favorite in-ring, what's your favorite Total Divas Jim Neidhart Ooh. moment? God, there's so many. The Lana? Yeah. My dad, by the way, was obsessed with Lana. <laughs> like, Chris, I have so many... I have so many videos of my dad and my phone, and I would always say, Daddy, do you like Luke Gallows? And he'd be like, no. I'm going to send... I have, I have a bunch of stuff. I want to find that letter from... Vince, I want to show you that letter and I want to send it. My dad loved Lana and I'd always film videos with him and go, Daddy, do you like Lana? And he's like, oh, yes, she's beautiful. And like he would go off about Lana. Yeah, he'd always remember Lana. He loved, <laughs> he, Lana and my dad would drink fireball shots together. He was obsessed with Lana. And so there was this day that Lana and I are really close, but we've had a lot of little conflicts right, right, in the right. past, especially on Total Divas. We, she, she and I are like sisters. We fight and we make up. Yeah. And she drives me crazy, but I love her. So one day, my, my dad, my whole entire life, as we talked about earlier, would be obsessed with teaching me how to throw the shot put. And so I was training for this ladder match, and my dad was just like, somehow I was like, okay, daddy, you know what? You can teach me how to throw the shot put. If that's what you want, we will go in the yard. We won't climb a ladder. We'll get in the front lawn, and you can throw. 
for the first time in my life, you can show me how to throw a damn shot put. <laughs> so Lana was over and she wanted to be involved because, you know, what better way to put on a string bikini than to throw a shot put with your <laughs> Neidhart on the front lawn. <laughs> so in the driveway. So we're out there and Lana, um, she somehow the shot put my dad's in the yard. And he's like, she's throwing it. She's throwing it. She's throwing it. It's landing on the grass. My dad's like, he's picking up the shot, put. he's like, you're doing great. And he's like coaching her. And he's like, you're doing awesome. She was sucking. She was awful. And my dad just kept telling her how well she was doing and putting her over. And, um, then she all of a sudden throws the shot put into the windshield of my car. And my dad was like, for real or for, <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know what she was doing. Right. I think she was, do I, I think, I think she was just trying to get attention. Or yeah, she was going to say she's good at getting attention. She's yeah. good at being extra, extra. <laughs> so Lana loves being a little extra. So somehow this shot put ended up in the windshield of the car. And my dad looked at me and he was like, she's so stupid. <laughs> I can't. And I go, daddy. And he goes, because he was shocked because my dad loves Lana. But then all of a sudden he's like, I can't. How did she do that? And then my dad started freaking out. And he's like, oh my God. Like, we, what are we going to do? The car's wrecked. And so. I go, daddy, as because I was kind of like parent. I go, go in the house right now, and I go, don't you don't want to say anything to upset Lana? And Lana's looking at me like, like Steve Urkel, did I do that sort of thing? And <laughs> I go in the house. My dad can't calm down. He's like, oh my god, the car's wrecked. Yeah, he came and told me. And he came and found TJ in the bathroom. And he's like, she threw the shot put in the car, like. And so I told dad, I did, my dad, I was trying to calm him down, and I was like, daddy, daddy, like I was trying to do anything to appease him, and make him like relax. And I go, daddy. Don't worry, it was all, we just, I told Lana to do that. And my dad goes, Natty, you gotta let the boys in when you run these spots. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta let the boys in on these spots. And yeah. it was so funny, because re he went back to it being like wrestling. <laughs> and he was like, that was my favorite story. Well, well this is one other little thing, it may not have anything to do with anything, but I was just remembering, like, so after the screw job goes down, like, Jim actually wasn't under contract. He was like, a, kind of a handshake Nightly deal at yeah. that point. And then, like, Davey doesn't, Davey leaves. Uh, Owen has a little month off. He comes back to the pay-per-view. No one knew what was happening with him. Of course, Brett's gone. Jim on a handshake deal. I think he's out raw, like, uh, maybe two weeks later, and he does a deal with, like, DX with Vader, and maybe even the next week, too. He's still, like, and he knew he had this WCW deal, but, like, Loyalty. Yeah, it kind of speaks to his character a little bit. Like he, he clearly did not have to show up at those. No, at he those said shows. he said though on the pod, he said I was just a guy making a living and providing for my family. Yeah. and you know that was Brett's thing, and for him, he was still providing for his family. So, um, yeah. thank you guys for doing Thanks, this, uh, Jim the Anvil, one yeah. in a million, and uh, <laughs> the world is a better place from having him in it. And thank you so much for like just being supportive and awesome to my family and just, you know, you coming to my dad's service to, for me, like it just meant so much. And so That's I appreciate great, you and, and for putting up with us crazy hearts. Hey man, well, let's find some fanny packs and a pink uh, leather African hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks to Natty and Tyson for sharing more great stories about Jim, the Anvil Nightheart. Rest in peace, Anvil. He was one in a million, one in 10 million, like Bret Hart said. All right. Speaking of one in a million, how about the first one? The Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea inaugural voyage setting sail October 27th, just weeks away, less than six weeks away, and there's less than 75 cabins left, so you'll have to book now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. If you want to come hang out in the ship with the incredible lineup of talent, remember, 
everything is included once you book uh, everything. Once you book your cabin, it's all included. All your food, all the activities on the ship are free. All the live podcasts, concerts, comedy shows, meet and greets, autograph signings, wrestling matches, everything in between. The only thing you got to pay for are alcohol and gambling. Hope you do a lot of both. And it's a huge lineup with the main event, the Alpha Club versus the Bullet Club. It's the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson versus Kenny Omega, Cody, and Marty Skrull. The first in-ring meeting of Jericho and Kenny Omega since the Tokyo Dome, besides when I surprise attacked him at All In. You're not going to want to miss this. It's only on the cruise. Also, Ring of Honor versus Impact, Marty Skrull versus Sammy Callahan in a no-rules deck fight. Slaughter on the water, baby. Uh, we also got uh, LAX versus the Young Bucks. There's another dream match right there. Four Cornell Survival Match. Kenny King versus Frankie Kazarian versus Dalton Castle versus Jay Lethal. Cody, the NWA champion, versus Delirious, a match requested and demanded by Cody himself. Uh, John Morrison is going to be there, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo will be on the ship. He wants to take on the whole Bullet Club. We know Brian Cage is going to get involved with that. We know the LAX is involved with that. Who is also going to be? Will Sammy Callahan uh, throw in his hat in the ring? Can we have another huge match being announced in just a few days? What do you think I, I, I'm going to tell you right now? When, when we're ready, we're going to let you know. We also got a four-corner tag team survival match. The Dogs versus Young and so the Beer City Bruiser versus Lethal and Cheeseburger versus The Addiction. Everybody is on this cruise, man. Uh, live talk is Jericho with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Live TIJ remembering Eddie Guerrero with Conan and Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, live talk is Jericho with the entire Bullet Club. Live talk is Jericho with Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. Mick Foley doing his 20 Years of Hell stand-up show uh, live just for you. Keeping it 100 versus Killing the Town. Don Callis and Paul Lazenby versus Conan and Disco and the Hurricane. Uh, Jerry uh, the King Lawler and Jim Ross are doing their own live with JR and the King on the ship. And of course, the first round of the Ring of Honor Sea of Honor tournament has been announced. Lethal versus Whitmer, Daniels versus Delirious, Skrull versus Titus, Young versus Gordon, that's bracket A. Bracket B is Briscoe versus Ferrara, Page versus Kazarian, Cheeseburger versus Beer City, Bruiser, and Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King. So much more beyond the darkness telling some scary tales. Cole Cabana and Marty DeRosa doing their unprofessional wrestling show. Busted Open Radio will be there with Dave LaGreca. Live comedy from Brad Williams, Craig Gass, Ron Funches, Silent Q from Impractical Jokers, and of course the live music, Fozzie, playing three sets, including one set that's all cover songs, with a couple of extra little uh, rarities thrown in there. Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour, they're currently out with Ozzy, he's going to be there. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, King, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project, Spiwi, you've heard him and his music right here on Talk is Jericho, featuring Ribo on drums, yeah, there you go. The, the Cherry Bombs, the, the Darlings of Rock and Roll are going to be there. Shoot to Thrill, the world's best ACDC cover band, Females. They're great. Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy cover band. Uh, guest cruise director, SoCal Val. Guest host, Noel Foley. Uh, Brandy Rhodes is going to be there. Kelly Klein, Sumi Sakai, uh, Mandy Leon. Everyone is going on this damn thing. So book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com and come join the fun, all right? And speaking of fun, coming up on Friday, Asking Alexandria is going to be here. Alone in a Room is tearing up the serious Octane Biggins chart. It's number one for four weeks. They just released a brand new video for the single, and their tour starts this Friday, September 21st in South Carolina. So come hang with Asking Alexandria on Talk is Jericho this Friday. Uh, Danny Warsnop and Ben Bruce, they are a trip. They're great guys. Uh, it's going to be a fun show. Until then, in the meantime, in the between time, stay hard, stay cool, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big give, boy!